0: Howdy, everyone! And welcome to Coffee Break on Unsafe Space. Today is Monday, January seventeenth, two thousand twenty-two. Um, we're a few minutes late because of me. I apologize. Uh, I'm Carter, and I'm joined by Carrie Smith from somewhere in Texas. I don't. Know.
1: Carter, how are you?
0: I'm okay. Uh, yeah, I guess <laughs> fine um as a reminder you can support us by going to unsafe space.com we're also streaming on utreon and on odyssey and you can follow us on twitter at underscore unsafe space uh and i assume you're already subscribed so i won't even remind you to do that um and we have a book club coming up
1: we do I oh, don't have the book with me <clears throat> we are doing crime and punishment this month january 30th if you want to join us it's always free To participate, and you can find out more info at unseaspace.com on the book club page.
0: Yep. Um, So, welcome everyone. I don't know why Keith in chat is saying RIP Declaration of Independence. I don't know what that's all about, but someone says Carter seems down. Carter's just kind of a little bit tired. Uh, You know, he's he's old and there's a baby in the house, and you know. Also, I was sick this weekend. I don't know what it was. I thought it was the koof, but it only lasted for a day. So I guess it was. And maybe that's what the Omicron is now. It's a day of sneezes and you're Mm -hmm. over. So maybe that's all it was. Um, Yeah. So what do you, (laughs) I have some stuff that we could go over. There's been some silly stuff that has happened. Do you have anything in particular that is uh, getting you worked up, Gary, that you want to talk about?
1: Not that I want to talk about on the show. (laughs) 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 we're laughing we're laughing uh actually i do want to talk about martin luther king jr day i don't know if you saw this um i know it is that day but i didn't see anything (laughs) related to, to it so no uh let's see i'm gonna send you this i just i just wrote a quick blog about it on my sub stack Cause I just, sometimes I know I need to get better at sitting and writing for a long time and making it perfect, but I'm really just sort of like, I treat it like a blog. I'm like, ah, here's my thoughts. Bleh, vomit them out.
2: Yeah,
1: They're doing in the, in the media, I'm going to send this to you, but they're doing a heightened version of what I've, I've seen them leaning towards for years in social justice. But now of course that social justice has become so mainstream, it's, um, it's everywhere. So what they're doing in the press is there's a whole litany of articles about uh, how politicians are misusing MLK's words. Don't <laughs> let them. They're taking his name in vain. And they're all saying this. So if you open up, I just sent you both to um, JPEGs. Oh, okay. But it's sort of like, remember when we looked through the media and we saw all the different news articles that, where they were all saying the same thing, propaganda about like white Christian nationalism. And so they go on these tears once in a while, and it's not hard to see what the marching orders are for the press and what narrative they're spinning, because you just go to the news like Google news or DuckDuckGo news, and then look for something like MLK. And then all of these news articles come out with the same headlines. So Bloomberg's is MLK day to draw divisions as politicians misuse his words. Okay, now we can open this up in a second because I want you to take a couple guesses. Do do you think they mean uh, all politicians or do you think they mean politicians from a particular party? Hmm. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) They they don't mean all politicians, I'll tell you. (laughs) Um, The (laughs) other one is- I know, what they really mean (laughs) is
0: that Kimberly Crenshaw misused it when she introduced intersectionality. 20, 20 no. years ago, No, Oh,
1: that's not what they mean. Okay, now look <laughs> at this next one, because this is so close to the first one. So Bloomberg said MLK data draw divisions as politicians misuse his words. Okay, then we come to the griot says, don't let politicians use MLK's name in vain. Okay, then we've got <laughs> NBC News that says MLK disobeyed unjust laws. The state of America today requires that we not forget that. However... Which, by the way, I know they're not talking
0: about people who are against COVID mandates, right?
1: Correct. And we could go into that in a second. But here's the interesting thing. If you click on that link, it actually opens up and they change the headline. And it says the new headline on that one is. um, Oh, wait, where is it? Sorry. Sorry, guys. It's again, it's about politicians misusing words. Like it's almost like they ran the article and then they were told, hey, we're all, we're all gonna try to put in there that people are misusing his words. Can you rename it? And so they did. So the new one is uh the part of MLK's legacy that politicians today conveniently like to forget. That's the new title of that one. So it's like politicians, bad, politicians misusing his words. I mean politicians let's be- don't know. <laughs>
0: There are things of his legacy that we want to forget because he wasn't an all around perfect guy. And some things are not important that he did, like cheating on his wife and becoming a socialist at the very, very end of his life. The important stuff he did is the stuff that we quote about content of your character and not the color of your skin. Like, yeah, of of course, like I, I don't. They're going to make an are they going to make an argument that some of his later radical stuff is really what mattered about Martin Luther King. And that's the thing. I mean,
1: yeah, well, so the biggest thing is they don't want you. And this has been happening in the social justice world for a while. It's just mainstream now. So now you see it from the mainstream cathedral, like all the media. But they've been saying for a long time, you're not allowed to. They say things like take Martin Luther King Jr.'s name out of your mouth. Okay, so you're not even allowed to talk about him. Uh, you're not allowed to quote the most famous quote because it was the most impactful, it is the most memorable, it's the most famous quote for a reason that you know, one day he has a dream that his children will be judged by the content of their character instead of the color of their skin. They don't want you to mention that, to think about what that means because that is the antithesis to social justice. It's also the antithesis to white supremacy, but white supremacy and social justice are not that different. They're both collectivists. They're both racist in nature. So they can't have you thinking about what that quote means because it's the exact opposite of what they're trying to sell you. Of course. So you can't yeah, talk about course. that. And so this litany of pieces that are like conservatives get it all wrong because they like this quote about the content of the character and individualism You know,
0: over collectivism. They like his racism. most famous speech. He yeah. <laughs> doesn't have a dream speech, which is the most famous one that was most impactful. They like that one.
1: They like but the we one like that-
0: This arbitrary thing he said in a letter to a friend once.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. We like later, and people change, and they do. They do. Uh, I mean, look how much my ideas have changed in the past four years, and people change their ideas, and they come to a different understanding of things. And he had communist friends, and that, that was one of the justifications the FBI had for for wiretapping him at the beginning. Then it just became a, a vendetta because he had so mu- so much political power they continued wiretapping him and were just trying to blackmail him and were getting, you know, scandalous info on him and, and you know about some of his affairs so that they could try and shut him up. Um, but at the beginning they justified it but yeah, he had communist friends and his his ideas they did change over time, but not to the degree that he embraced something like racism like
0: social justice he didn't denounce I'm not familiar with the history but I don't know that he ever wrote anything like I my dream has changed no you know, he never did dear friend my dream has changed now I wish I lived in a country in which my children were judged on the color of their skin not the yeah, content he never of their said character that.
1: he was never like you know
0: let talk about how
1: when if a child is crying is it a white child White tears. Am I right, guys? Like, <laughs> yeah. is the child, oh, it must be white privilege? Like, no, he never pushed social justice ideas. He never pushed the ideas of let's look at a person first, first on what race they are, and make judgments based on that, and then treat them a certain way based on that. He never did that. He never. I have a dream that critical ideas.
0: race theory will be taught to my children in school.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> that's no. that's but, what he. Means. But
1: you can imagine Carter. That's what some of these pieces are are pushing. I hope we can, um, let's open up. Do you want to look can we open one up of yeah. one of them? I want to open up the one about the NBC News one about unjust laws, because that's really interesting. So the the original headline of that one is MLK disobeyed unjust laws. The state of America today requires that we not forget that. Now, you would think or you would hope that this article, because you know what, that applies to something today, right? It applies to something. We have does. Some mm-hmm. unjust uh, edicts from governors <laughs> and from the executive office, in fact, the Supreme Court just had to say one of these edicts was was not valid so we and have we, some unjust we know
0: someone in jail because they disobeyed yes. an unjust law to keep their business open
1: right so if you would think, well, I hope this article is going to be what a truthful person would write about, which is uh, if you want to disobey unjust laws, maybe they're encouraging civil disobedience against authoritarian vaccine mandates and mask mandates. Let's see if that's what it's about. be
0: it. Why don't you
1: read this since you haven't seen it yet?
0: (laughs) Okay. Uh, There's the headline, MLK disobeyed unjust laws. The state of America today requires that we forget. not forget that. Politicians conveniently like to ignore that King had a radical side and often twist his words to justify enacting policies that go against everything he fought for. Really? Wow, that's... Let's see what this is. Martin Luther King Jr. is a symbol of peace, justice, and nonviolence, but he's often misquoted. No. Misunderstood. (laughs) Maybe. And invoked for nefarious purposes. Yes. This article. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) And here we go. Here's a nefarious purpose. By the way, they're
1: they're telling you exactly what they're about to do.
0: Yeah. (laughs) While many like to speak of King's quote, dream. Oh, they they had to put it in quotes because they're about to tear it down. And his commitment to peace, part of remembering him means understanding his belief that society has a responsibility to disobey unjust laws. I'm with you so far.
1: I'm with you. Okay. Yeah.
0: And right now in America, we have become the land of unjust laws and policies. I'm still with you. I'm still with you. Uh Uh-oh, what's after this dash? (laughs) From, (laughs) From voter suppression to bans on teaching race and racism.
2: Huh?
0: <laughs> okay, first of all, how do you disobey voter suppression?
1: Vote yeah. anyway.
0: Like I don't. That that's not yeah. a thing you can do. Um, if also, real. where's
1: all this voter suppression out that they're they're always talking uh, yeah, about?
0: It's it, it's yes, it's not real anyway. But even if real. it were real, I I'm going to yeah. disobey and vote, vote
1: because I, I can. Really because it's not um, really a thing. Also, look, I like this little. Um, he doesn't realize it here, but. He made a little admission. It says, uh, bans on teaching racism. Yeah, we don't want you teaching kids to be racist, okay? Like, you kind of, you know, I know what he means by that, but it's actually kind of funny because it's revealing. It's like, yeah, they are trying to ban you from teaching teaching racism. Not about racism, but teaching racism? Sure. <laughs> That's I'm true. I'm cool with banning that, right? like <laughs> Get rid of the words race
0: and, and it makes a little bit more sense. Right. Bans on teaching racism, yeah. Um and of course by the way just to remind people this obviously that's grossly it's a misrepresentation of what's happening they're banning uh teaching actual racist ideology they're not banning teaching about the fact that race exists and racism has existed in the past and continues to exist no one's trying to ban that okay uh and also I'm just I the the idea I'm sorry just as a <laughs> free market no like no government person the idea that a ban on what – a government ban on what government-funded teachers can do in schools that shouldn't exist in a free market, how that has anything to do with, like, unjust law, it makes no sense to me. But, okay, the the school itself is an unjust law. All right. In his, quote, letter from Birmingham jail – yes, his famous letter from Birmingham jail, just like the I have a dream speech, very famous.
2: Yeah. King
0: said we have a duty to disobey unjust laws. I would be – the first to advocate obeying just laws. One has not any, not only a legal but a moral responsibility to obey just laws. Sure, that goes without saying. Conversely, one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. I would agree with St. Augustine. Uh-oh. Yeah, that, by the way, it, they mm, never talk about don't it. As don't anywhere don't, there. Don't, make sure you don't include a link on that one in this NBC. <laughs>
1: They don't like his Uh, Christian – they're never going to talk about that, his Christianity. And here's –
0: who was St. Augustine and what did he believe? Uh, That an unjust law is no law at all. Okay. I mean that's fine. And by the way, just – I'll throw this out philosophically, which people are forgetting, and clearly King knew as well as Augustine knew. Morality is a priori to the law. Morality comes first. Like, whether something is legal or not is not correlated necessarily. It should be correlated to what's right, but isn't necessarily, and what's right doesn't follow from what's legal. Uh, what's legal should follow from what's right. Um, okay, what is an unjust law? Here we go. According to King, <laughs> it's one that degrades rather than uplifts humanity. Hmm, is that a phrase he would have used? Jim Crow segregation statutes were a prime example of unjust laws because, quote, segregation distorts the soul and damages the personality. As King noted, it gives the segregator a false sense of superiority and the segregated a false sense of in- inferiority. I feel like he could be a parent at a at a school board meeting right about now and explaining yeah. what's going on in schools, arguing against wokeism with this.
1: They are currently people who advocate for a critical race theory and social justice in schools, they are currently segregating children on the basis of race. This is happening in 2022.
0: Right, he would be one of these people. King today would be, uh, first of all, he would be an Uncle Tom, he would be unpersoned, and he would be he would be one of these people that the left was screaming about because there would be a video of him on Twitter at a school board meeting, arguing against critical race theory, saying it gives the segregator a false sense of superiority and the segregated a false sense of imper- inferiority. He would be saying those exact words, and then okay.
1: And they would um, call him a Candace Owens, and they would say, course. "But not, but not this black person. Listen to black voices, but not this black voice. Not,
0: not this guy."
1: Yeah. Or they would try to completely ignore him, like Thomas Sowell and pretend he doesn't exist.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right. A law is also unjust if a numerical. Oh, oh, oh! I don't like where this is going. A law is also unjust if a numerical majority or a power majority imposes it on a minority, yet the majority does not have to follow the law. Oh, okay, I, I would agree with that. Uh, yeah. Although you didn't need the second half of that sentence. King used specific examples to make his point. Internationally, he pointed to Germany, writing, we should never forget that everything Adolf Hitler did in Germany was legal. It was illegal to aid and comfort a Jew in Hitler's Germany. Okay? Mm-hmm. I, this is all, how are they gonna, this re- is, okay. Uh, yeah, it this somehow. is good okay. so far. Oops. Yeah, yeah, and of course, sitting in the Birmingham jail cell, he spoke of how Alabama segregation laws that prevented Black citizens from voting were put in place by an undemocratically elected state legislature. Okay, he pointed to the fact that not a single Black person was registered to vote, even in some majority Black counties. While he did not advocate law breaking, well, he kind of did. You just said that he advocated not following the laws. Okay, uh, or as he said evading or defying the law like rabid segregationist like the rabid segregationist king was unwavering in advocating for civil disobedience to break systems of oppression disobeying unjust laws in the open and with love okay wait i'm confused by this whole sentence i'm sorry for being dumb how do you not advocate law breaking but advocate civil disobedience
1: this person is low iq they they don't they don't even think about what those i mean that's the way i interpret this they don't even Think about what that means. They don't. When they say law breaking, there, I mean civil disobedience is law breaking. I know. And but they don't it's seem to realize that. Yeah, they don't seem to realize that. That what okay, they should well, have said is, while well, he did not advocate violence,
0: I see. But they, well, they aren't. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's fair enough. I'm understanding though that what we need to do for the anti-coof um, mandates, we forgot to add. With love, if we would just do our civil disobedience (laughs) with love, then everything would have been fine. Um,
1: Yeah. So Lisa is Hanson, right? Is sitting in. Yeah. Yeah. Convicted grandmother who opened her cafe during an unconstitutional lockdown in her state is now in jail because uh, she engaged in civil disobedience against an unjust law that does not lift up humanity. In the open and with love.
0: Well, apparently she forgot to mention that she did it with love. (laughs) No, she she
1: did. She mentioned her employee, her employees. Several they needed to get back to work. Yes, she did. She didn't require them to come to work, but some of them wanted to work. She opened up for her to save her business and to save their jobs. That's love. To provide for her family, that's love. She's a grandma. Civil disobedience. Maybe this author is
0: going to get to yeah. Lisa Hansen. Let's see. Let's see. After all, <laughs> he believed that those who passively accepted evil without protesting it are perpetuating it and cooperating with it. Okay? He's going to quote King again. I submit that an individual who breaks a law that conscious tells him is unjust and who willingly accepts the penalty of imprisonment in order to arouse the conscience of the community over its injustice is, in reality, expressing the highest respect for law, King insisted, okay? That's a side of him that's been glossed over or even conveniently left out of the conversation. Meanwhile, there are people today who support unjust laws, yet invoke King's name when it is convenient. Hmm... Like, this is the, really building up to some COVID laws. But, I, uh, is okay. it building up
1: the COVID laws, right? All the people yeah. who say King's name when it's convenient, but then try and push authoritarian mm. policies that strip you of your right to pursue life, liberty, and happiness and arbitrarily tell you you have to shut down your business or you have to get injected with a new vaccine or you can't go to work.
0: Is that what he's going? <laughs> well, let's see. Supporting, no, because next one says supporting policies that directly oppose King's dream for America, that they cherry pick his words without context to justify unjust laws. Okay, now I know what they're talking about, Ibram X. Kendi's proposal for reparations and an entire department of uh, what's his department of critical theory department or whatever it is. That's they must be talking about that because those are policies that directly oppose his dream for America. And the only way you could do that would be to cherry pick his words. So let's see if that's. Okay, next one. Senators Kristen Sinema, Democrat Arizona, and Joe Manchin, Democrat West Virginia, claim to support voting rights. Oh, my God. And to celebrate King's vision and honor his legacy of freedom, justice, and equality. Yet they refuse to change the Senate filibuster rule. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> what is he doing here? He's using Martin Luther King. <laughs> Junior's name in vain to push this divisive political like we want to change the
0: Senate filibuster law. Martin
1: Luther King would have agreed. What?
0: (laughs) I'm sorry. I forget about even what it it means. What a stupid trite thing to have to invoke Martin Luther King's names for a fucking rule in the Senate that's been changed before and probably will be changed again in the future that Democrats argue should be changed now when it's used against them but didn't want to change when they were using it like it's such a – it's a piece of of, of political minutiae, a rule in the Senate. That's what they're going to – there's like people going to jail for running their businesses, people that can't go to school because of their vaccination status. There's, there's – by the way, um, policies rolled out by every level of government that if you care about – if you're going to start bringing race into this, disproportionately affect uh, – Communities of color because they are vaccinated at uh, lower percentages than white communities. There's all the stuff you could bring and talk about. And what you're going to invoke his name for in your fucking piece is a Senate filibuster rule change that you want. (laughs) How pathetic and petty are you? It's like a kid arguing. It's like invoking Martin Luther King because you want some more cookies. (laughs) Like it's – I'm sorry, but – what a stupid, stupid thing to do. Such a buildup, right? To you're like the filibuster rule. You've got to be kidding <laughs> me. <clears throat> but it, Carter- which is a rule. I just want to reiterate this. It's a rule I just I want to point out. Literally, just a handful of years ago, the same people saying this kind of crap were on the complete other side of the filibuster rule because they were using it. In the way that they liked it's it's so transparently unprincipled political grandstanding and manipulation that every single fucking person in the world sees through this. I don't know who doesn't see through this, everyone with who's thinking sees through this. I, I mean, I'm offended for him. Like I would yeah. be rolling over my grave. I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. You're invoking, <laughs> you're writing this article about a Senate yeah. filibuster rule.
1: Yeah. And why? Because look, because they want to change the filibuster rule so that they can pass what they're calling look the article calls it a filibuster rule that would allow for crucial voting rights legislation to pass and preserve multiracial democracy. Is our democracy it's suddenly th- threatened? Threat. Suddenly yeah. threatened by by what? Why did what is this voting rights legislation that they're pushing for? That's suddenly necessary. Is it is it attempting to prevent um, you know asking for ID to prove that you're the person you say you are when you vote and that you're a citizen? Is it that? Because I'm being told on the one hand by these by these ghouls. That it's okay to demand not just ID, but medical documentation, a vaccine passport from people in order to go to McDonald's, <laughs> but yeah, but but to to ask for ID to vote is somehow racist.
0: Okay. Right, because the argument here is that black people can't figure out how to get a driver's license, but they they'll be able to navigate the vaccine requirements no problem. Um, right. that's the which is um, racist, condescending, and contradictory. It's yeah. got like every fallacy possible all wrapped into one thing. It's the, it's the best example of non-thinking that I – recently that I can think of. So, okay. So they're going to – this, this asshole is going to – who wrote this? Hold on. i got to scroll up in my – who wrote this? David A. Love. <laughs> well, he brought the love. Writer focused on politics and justice issues, not justice issues, social justice issues. Very yeah. good. <laughs> uh, so, okay. Um, so he says, what's the next thing?
1: <clears throat> Cinema and Mansion exemplify oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. the white moderate King described that, quote, great stumbling block, end quote, against black freedom, quote, who is more devoted to order than to justice end quote, and believes now is not a convenient time for freedom. <laughs> that's why, that's why, that's why Manchin and Siena are, are opposed to changing the Senate filibuster rule because they don't think now is a convenient time for freedom. Wait, can, well, look at that sentence. That's a crazy. Manchin opposes changing the Senate filibuster rule because he doesn't think now is a convenient time for freedom.
0: I mean, this is—I don't carry, right? This is this is the mantra of the left for the past two years. Now's not a convenient time for freedom. Get the fucking facts. Now's not a convenient time for freedom. That has been their mantra.
1: Yeah, my freedom. They make fun
0: of it, right? They make yes. And this guy is now conflating freedom with a quote right to vote, which doesn't exist, but conflating freedom with some not even a right to vote fundamentally which doesn't exist but let's pretend it does (laughs) but a rule about voting like yeah it's like you've got to be kidding me a filibuster rule that maybe could help get some legislation that the left wants passed about voting that so that it can't require an id i mean it's just it's so it's so petty i okay
1: yeah
0: do we need to keep going on this article or is, have we gotten um, the gist of I it wanna, I, have think more you're fun? At,
1: like, I think you're at a 9 let's go Let's read the last part <laughs> to get you out of 10 <laughs> in a
0: 1963 interview King picked his nose and therefore no, sorry, King cited the filibuster as stalling the Civil Rights Act of 1964 oh I see oh my god oh my god Ah. Uh, I think the tragedy is that we have a Congress with the Senate that has a major- minority of misguided senators who will use the filibuster to keep the majority of people from even voting. OK, so in 1963. He he was against the filibuster for the same reason you are. It was in his way. But you know so, what?
1: But when they support the filibuster, when they it's like yeah, they just go back and forth. We support it because the reason we're filibustering is something we agree with. Well, now we oppose it. Why? Because we oppose the reason they're filibustering. It's,
0: right. like- it's not democracy because you're filibustering the thing we want to do. fast forward or rewind a few years. It's not democracy, so we have to filibuster what you're trying to do. It's the same, it's like the same it's the same thing. Uh, all right. Can I just – I want to point this out also, and I don't know what King's views are on this, but – Well – No, go ahead.
1: Well, just quickly for a little tidbit of history for any younger people who might be watching this and still don't know about this yet, but those were Democrats who filibustered, who were trying to stall (laughs) the Civil Rights Act from passing in 1964, just so you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Those were Democrats.
0: Yeah. Well, we're supposed to pretend that that's all – there's no ties to modern Democrats at all. It's oh, completely like, different. Um, right. Even though, uh, was it Robert Byrd, who was the KKK member, best friend, yeah. BFF of Hillary Clinton, said he was awesome when he died. Was so eulogized him. Loved like plenty of pictures of them to hanging out together. I guess he just changed his mind. Um, mm-hmm.
1: I'm sorry, I interrupted something you were going to say. No, I.
0: You know, I'm just looking at this, and I, there's so much wrong with it. Um, hmm. I guess I guess the thing that I want to point out – I don't know where King stood on this, although my guess is that he might have been a little bit too pro-democracy, but I'm not sure. Um, the idea that what the majority of people want is necessarily the better thing is patently false, and um, it's the reason that you have some of the – well, it's the reason that you have civil rights law, frankly but like it's it's also the reason that you have to view you, you have limitations on what the government can do including discrimination um, so like it's the reason that you, you pass amendments that say black people are people right like they can vote too like it's the reason that you have to pass amendments like that because sometimes you're in a situation when the majority is just wrong and you have to stop them from doing what they're doing and the the idea that Majority rules is the is the most just way to rule a country. It's just these people know that it's wrong because sometimes they're in the minority. They know damn well that's a bad system. They don't care. What this is so disingenuous. They know that democracy is a bad idea. They it's just a tool that they're using to get power. And right now they can make an argument that the majority is on their side. Therefore, democracy is awesome. And. Later on, when the majority is on the other side, they'll make an argument that it's not the real majority or whatever. And, you know, it needs to be stopped. I don't even.
1: Well, I going. mean, in, are, this, in are, are this. Are we at 9.9? Where are we? Well, I just want to show you something funny. Uh, I just sent you a new link and we can just look at the top and then scroll to the bottom. This is a, a USA Today fact check. <laughs> That says Southern Democrats held up the 1964 Civil Rights Act and set a filibuster record at 60 days. Okay. Look at that. And they go, the claim, Democrats held the nation's longest filibuster for 75 days to attempt to prevent the passing of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. So they have this long article. And if you scroll all the way to the bottom you find out that it's true, except true. <laughs> except they say partly false. Why? Well, they do have the record for the longest filibuster of these Democrats. Um, and, it was but for it was- this. and it was that they were filibustering against <laughs> the 1964 civil rights act. Yes. Uh, but it was for 60 days, guys, not 75. And also, uh, they want you to know that the majority of those Democrats were that were filibustering lived in the South. They lived in the South. It, well, nobody, it's not, that no doesn't make it Northern partly Democrats. false. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, nobody
1: said Northern Democrat. That doesn't, nobody said mostly Southern Democrats. It's like, there were also some Northern ones in that filibustering group, but they, they want you to think, well, this is that lie they push where they're like, oh, the um the Democrats of yesteryear, are the Republicans today. That's why they put that Southern thing in there. They want you to, because right. they've already, they've already connected Southern in your head to racist white Republicans. So they're like, ah, yeah, they were Democrats that were protests that were filibustering the 1964 Civil Rights Act, but they were all Southern. You know what that means? Mm. No.
2: I think. <laughs>
0: I saw you anyway. know what I can't remember what it was, Carrie, but I saw this the other day on something else. I looked; it was some COVID claim, and it was a fact check thing. And I was like, "Oh, I want to go see what the fact checkers have to say about this." The quotes fact check fact checkers. And the entire article, there was like a headline of what they were claiming was false, but the article was like, "I I wish I remember what it was." It was a debunking of something completely different, COVID related, but not the thing. <laughs> and, it, and it was like false. I'm like, yeah, "But the headline says this." It was like, you know. Fact check on A. And then the article was like, B is wrong. It was like, well, I don't – I'm actually curious about A. I guess it's true. You
1: know why it's hard to come <laughs> back against these things today, Carter? I was just realizing it with this piece. So the the previous piece we were reading, if you go back there one second, Beverly, thank you. Look at you. you so smart. You kept it up. Um, when you get down to the bottom of this piece, he starts talking about uh, Republican – Republican politicians who supported white nationalism, insurrection, January six, all this stuff. The reason why it gets hard to push back against this is because they're creating their own mythology. They're they're creating their own false reality, and they're building on it like a mythology. So that when they're when their propaganda puppets like this guy David A. Love write these pieces, they're not just introducing new falsehoods and pushing falsehood like. They're pushing a big falsehood here, which is that um, Martin Luther King would be would want you to push back against a Senate filibuster rule so they can get forward this legislation that they want. That has they're pushing this idea, right? But underneath it, it's built on a whole foundation, a whole mythology of falsehoods. And it's like, where do you even start? Because by the time you get to the bottom of this,
0: justify it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so
1: you're like, dude, we can't even, it's hard to even have a conversation because if you're talking to someone who believes all this stuff, who, who's been just ingesting it and, and lives in that false reality, it's hard to have a conversation with them about this one thing over here when everything it's built on is wrong. Like we would have to go down to the building blocks here and say, okay, like, what are you even talking about? January 6th was a white nationalist insurrection. What, that's not even true. Right. <laughs> Like,
2: right.
0: So no, it is it is very much a mythology. Um excuse um, me one
1: second, Carter. I have
0: to get go- my,
1: my heater is turned on so hot. I have to go turn it down. I'll be right back. Turn off your heater.
0: Um yeah, it is a mythology. I agree with you, Carrie. And uh re- it reminds me a little bit of uh if you ever try and read sometimes you try and read uh some old Greek mythology. Uh and some of it's Fine. You get it. But sometimes they make references to stuff and it's like, what are you talking about? And you realize there's this entire context of all these gods and what they're doing. And like, oh, we all know that this God did this and this God did that and blah, blah, blah. It feels like that reading this article. Um, It's exhausting. I think it's meant to be exhausting for us to debunk. Right. It's meant to be exhausting for us. Right. So like we're not going to like this is this is the kind of thing that makes me I'll just, you know, speak for myself. I see this it's kind of like arguing with David Hogg. I see this and I'm just like I give up. Like I'm not even going to argue. like I'm not even going to argue this. It's it's like I it's like I would have to spend hours and possibly days arguing the threads that are wrong. It's it's so wrong. The words don't mean what you think they are. They mean the 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 historical quote facts are wrong. Your characterization of everything is wrong. It's like it's it's a it's a mythology based on false language i mean it's easier to just be like i'm i'm, I'm moving on i'm not like it's wow I, why argue uh i get i get why maybe we should be arguing it's just
1: it's just meant to it's it's almost related to it's not the same but it's almost related to the um kitchen sink fallacy is that the one where they just throw a bunch of stuff at you everything in so that you don't even, it's hard to, you, it's impossible to have a conversation about one thing because they've got all this whole litany of and yes, this and, and this and this and this and
0: this. Yes. And this. Yeah. And this is how a lot of people, uh, th- I, and I've noticed this more on the left, but it happens on the right sometimes as well. Um, people who are vague about their ideas or maybe haven't reasoned aren't confident in their ability to, to reason things through, when they're having a debate, will throw out a bazillion things at you at once and there's no way that you can keep them all in your crow and respond to them all in turn it's meant to just kind of overwhelm you or you're just like uh, i don't know like there's so much there to like what should i pick through right which yeah. is why if you're going to have a real discussion you should be you should confine someone frankly you should say what is the strongest point you have to make about this thing what's the one strongest thing that you want to say make that argument and limit them to it and then if you can beat that argument they have to shut up and go away because that was their strongest one all right they can't start bringing in a million other things but
1: the foundation of their argument often goes to this mythological stuff right, that so yes, yeah. allows
0: them to drag it all in yeah. it's like wow well,
1: like,
2: yeah like
1: well i believe this because if you look at the way the senators reacted to the white nationalist january 6 insurrection <laughs> you're like wait what your argument mm-hmm. is based on a lie <laughs> right
0: yeah <laughs> very fine people yeah it's that yeah. it's that whole yeah you end up having you li- actually you do you would literally have to end up talking about the very fine people press conference yeah. to have a conversation about martin luther king and filibusters
1: yeah <sighs> it's exhausting Anyway, the point of me bringing this up was just, I noticed this is, as I said, this has gone on in the social justice world for as long as I was in it. When I first got in it, I heard people saying this, white people, you know, keep Martin Luther King Jr.'s name out of your mouth, or white people use Martin Luther King quotes to uh, uh, make themselves feel good and, you know... That's been happening for a while, but now that it's gone mainstream in the past few years, it's really interesting to open up. It used to be, if you looked at what what are all the articles about today, they would be historical pieces. There would be pieces about the man, his history, his legacy, you know, his speeches. And now all the pieces are Republican politicians are misusing Martin Luther King's words and using his name in vain to trick you into supporting their racism. Don't listen, don't think for yourself. Don't let them, you know, trick you. And it's everything they're doing. It's all projection. They are misusing his name. They are yeah. doing it. They are taking his name in vain.
0: Yeah, always is. But uh, Bungalow Logic in chat points out, you can't even do the argument that I was saying unless you've determined it's a good faith argument. And that's a good point I wanna just reiterate because um, most of these arguments are not made in good faith. Uh, this, this is not a good faith article. Um, this is not, this is not designed to stand up to scrutiny. This is not designed to actually say anything. It's designed to make you feel a certain way. If you already are one of the NPCs that are in the myth, the mythology, if you've already bought into the mythology, this makes you, this reinforce, it's confirmation bias, basically it's, if you're in the mythology, it's a confirmation bias that you can go, "Oh yeah, I knew those Republicans were bad." Yes. I can I can ignore the things they say about Martin Luther King that unsettle me because yeah. like it's it's a it's permission to ignore inconvenient quotes from Martin Luther King Jr. That's what this is. That's all yep. it is. Yeah. Um, so I
1: I think uh to point that out, if we could just look at one more, because this one focused on okay. the filibuster thing and and misusing his stance uh, against unjust laws to try and support. They're basically giving talking points for how to use MLK's name to try and push for this filibuster <laughs> thing. Um, but let's look at one of the ones that says, "Don't use his name in vain." Uh, right. Let's do, let's do the Griot. Do you have that one, Beverly? I'll send it to you. We'll don't either do the, the Grio or oh, Bloomberg. Here we go.
0: Name in vain. I have the Bloomberg one pulled up, but um, let's see. Uh, the Grio, I see this one. Don't let politicians use MLK's name in vain. Here, Beverly, if you don't have it, I'll just send it. Oh, Carrie already sent it. Yeah. Hold up. All right. Yeah. You're going to make me read this again, or do you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, actually, wait, the Bloomberg. Let's see. I'm sorry. I'm changing my mind. Guys, just hang on. Let's do the Bloomberg room, because that's more mainstream. Um, I got that one as well. You got that one. Okay, pull that one up. All
0: right. I want to see what you have. Can you pull it up? Or do you want me? I'll I'll paste it in chat so you can pull it up. (sighs) MLK. I'll just read the headline while we're waiting. MLK Day to Draw Divisions as Politicians Misuse His Words. Mm-hmm. Okay. By Ella and Kelsey. Um, I'm just going to use the first name. At a December speech to propose legislation allowing students and parents to sue schools if they <laughs> say they're forced to learn critical race theory, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis invoked an unlikely name. Mm, is it unlikely? It's not uh, unlikely. Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> okay, so...
1: You can see already, Where what are they going to be attacking in this article?
0: Yeah, this is, this is good. <laughs> if you think about what MLK stood for, he said he didn't want people judged on the color of their skin, but on the content of their character, the Republicans said behind a podium with a Stop Woke Act banner. You listen to some of these people nowadays, they don't talk about that. Okay, so he's correctly representing what MLK did actually say and mean. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, and something for which he's famous. As Americans observe Martin Luther King Jr. Day on Monday, honoring the civil rights leader's work and legacy following his assassination in 1968, the event celebrating unity and equality is expected to spark greater divisions as politicians and corporations dissect his quotes for their agenda. (laughs)
1: Like we're about to do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, here we go. Yolanda's going to say something about it. Oh, uh, Yeah, I got to hear what Yolanda King has to say. If politicians insist on using my grandfather's words in front of the cameras, then we must insist that they live up to his legacy and be willing to put everything on the line for one of our most fundamental rights. Oh, God. By the way, this is this is what's really funny about that.
1: Said, wait, wait, wait. Says King's granddaughter, Yolanda Rene King, said in a November essay for Teen Vogue.
0: <laughs> teen Vogue by the way uh no I uh, seriously you should look i I can't believe I'm about to say this you should read teen Vogue
1: oh I know I've read it it's super woke but I just think uh, it's, no
0: not to you I'm oh, telling the audience I know you oh,
1: know oh yeah oh, but like, I just think it's funny that it's like she's trading on his esteemed name her grandfather's esteemed respectable name and then she's like she said to to Sassy magazine, <laughs> you know, it's like,
0: <laughs> but I mean, Teen Vogue is the it's a it's it's one of the it's one of the primary vectors of wokeness into a lot of the population, it uh, is. young young women and young girls in particular. Uh, just out of curiosity, what has Yolanda Renee King done? Except for, uh, I think is she famous? Has she done anything? Is she good at something, or she just happened to have King she's as the last a- name?
1: a puppet for social justice and she just uses the name
0: so no <laughs> <laughs> okay DeSantis isn't alone on the debate around so by the way I guess I mean I would if my grandkids ever watch this please don't use my name to just do like just make, do your make your own career All right. DeSantis isn't alone on the debate around the so-called critical race theory. It's a so-called critical race. It's, it's a thing, you know, so-called critical race theory, which posits that any analysis of American society should take into account history of racism or setting King's comments to back up the cause. <sighs> Brian Hughes, a Republican Texas state, state senator, said the movement around the theory is inverse of what King taught, mirroring comments by House Minority Leader, Kevin McCarthy. it's
1: Which is true. It is the inverse. Martin Luther King, what he said, his most famous quote, and the reason why that is the most remembered quote is because he gave voice to something that that the movement, the Civil Rights Movement, that people were feeling at the time, which was this move towards individualism to conquer racism, to conquer collectivism. And He gave voice to this idea very succinctly: that a person, that his children, should be judged on the content of their character, not on the color of their skin. That that was a death blow to racism. In fairness, he
0: didn't say anything about his grandchildren, who apparently want to be judged by their color of their skin.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Sorry. But 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 he gave he he gave voice to individualism. He gave a voice to people who were moving in that direction. And he also, he he appealed to our common humanity. So he used words like we and our and us and his whole language was about unity. And it was about everything that we have in common as humans. It wasn't about I'm this race and you're this race or I'm this sex and you're this sex. So it wasn't about division, which is what social justice is about, which is what white supremacy is about. It wasn't about those things. It was about our common humanity, treating people as individuals, judging them on the content of their character instead of on whatever group or collective they happen to belong to based on their skin color. And so these Republicans, I know if, it, if, it, it, if you're a tribalist Democrat, it must pain you to hear this, but these Republicans, they may be wrong about everything else, but they are correct when they say, that what he preached that quote is the inverse of social justice it is social justice is a perversion of what he what he talked about that's uh, anyway
0: people have agree.
1: they just can't hear it Carter cuz they're they can't ever agree with a republican on anything you know it's like
0: well i would agree with you but i heard that mass formation has been debunked so they must be thinking <laughs> rationally and we must be wrong. Uh, yeah. I mean, should we keep reading this one? Critical race theory goes against everything <laughs> Martin Luther King Jr. taught us to not judge others by the color of their skin. The California Republican congressman said the left is trying to take America backwards. Both true.
1: Both true. Both true. Then they show him saying that in his tweet. Okay.
0: True response from King's daughter, Bernice. Urging McCarthy to study her father's teachings beyond the last lines of his "I Have a Dream" speech, mm. civil rights icon's words have been cherry picked to people's convenience and comfort. She said in a TV interview, "If you're going to post something about MLK, if you're going to, if we're going to, to as a brand, as a corporation, as capital, if we're going to use MLK, how are we going to engage it? What the hell kind of sentence is that?" said Kirk J. James, a clinical professor at New York University's Silver School of Social Work. That's the accountability, especially in 2022. I.
1: Wait, yeah, scroll I mean, down a little.
0: I want to read some. Go ahead. I, maybe it is cherry picking. Maybe. I don't know his repertoire. Maybe. Maybe it's cherry picking, but it's cherry picking from his most famous speech. It's, it's a cherry picked most impactful line that resonated with the most people um, and had the biggest impact. I don't know what else he wrote. Maybe he wrote. Maybe he turned Scientologist in his latest day and wrote about Xenu. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't matter that's not the stuff that he's known for. It's not the stuff that mattered, and it's not the stuff that's worth quoting that's impactful. So, yeah, you're going to pick the stuff that made a difference, that resonated with everyone, and that was the convincing argument. That was a convincing thing to say. My kids – I want my kids to be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. That was a convincing argument, and it was, as a result, impactful. I don't care if he said a bunch of other crap. I don't care about that. And it's not it's not dishonestly cherry picking to pick the thing that he's no it's like saying, "Hey, Wayne Gretzky had a lot of goals in the NHL." Yeah, but you're cherry picking. Also, he lost at Scrabble. It's like, "Yeah, I don't I don't give a shit that he lost at Scrabble. That's not part of his legacy. No one remembers Wayne Gretzky for Scrabble playing. They remember him for his fucking goals." <laughs> like that MLK, we're not – we don't remember him for any – if he wrote some weird social justice crap or some other shit later on or in a letter to his daughter or his granddaughter said, you know what, I hope something like critical race theory comes along, I don't care. That's not what he's known for. It's the equivalent of Wayne Gretzky's Scrabble. I don't care. What he's known for is the I Have a Dream speech, that quote in particular, and all of the work around that that was pro-individualism.
1: Yeah. He's not known for – remember the woman who wrote to him about her husband stepping out on her and engaging in adultery. And he gave the woman advice and told her she should stop nagging. And that was probably leading to the adultery. That's not what he's known for. (laughs) That really happened. (laughs) Anyway,
0: you're cherry picking now, Carrie.
1: (laughs) I am. And, but I'm not, because I'm not using that to say that's what he's about. You know,
0: Right and that's that's what makes it cherry picking which is why I don't think this is cherry picking picking yeah. the th- picking selecting a subset of what he said is only cherry picking if that subset is not representative of his entire career image and impact on the world like that's what he's known for that's what he's like that's why we care about him <laughs> like that's what mattered about him it would be cherry picking to say well fundamentally mlk was just a philanderer right he was just some dude who cheated like okay he is a dude who cheated that's a bad character flaw and he probably had other really bad ideas that i disagree with as well but that's not what he's known for that's not that would be cherry picking yeah this is not cherry picking
1: yeah
0: okay so um yeah sorry are you gonna
1: (laughs) that's okay well i just wanted to scroll way down almost at the bottom This is this gets to what you were asking at the beginning. Are they going to are they also going to use this to push for the filibuster thing Uh, with the frustration building around legislation pushed by states such as Texas seen as aimed at suppressing black
0: voters Seen, seen as aimed seen by us as aimed at. Yeah. okay Seen by who? Seen by
1: who? And it's not aimed at suppressing Black voters. It's no. requiring ID. And it's it's stopping this whole massive vote from home thing that happened this last election w- without a proper reason for needing to vote from home. That's not suppressing. That's that's not voter suppression. And it's not targeting anyone by race. There's nothing in this bill that's like, we want to target by race or an attempt to target by race or an attempt to suppress the vote. It's, it's basically saying, If you want to vote, have a valid ID that shows you're a citizen and show up on the voting day (laughs) and cast your ballot in an easily transparent system. What's wrong with that? When did Democrats start opposing that?
0: The moment they decided that it uh, (laughs) – the moment they figured out how to send in false (laughs) – Ballots from the mail. That's when they started opposing it.
1: There's no reason to oppose that. Chicago ran out of
0: dead people to vote. They figured the better grift is this other thing. So, yeah,
1: there's no reason to oppose voter ID unless you are up to some nefarious. (laughs) Like, I just don't. Nobody's ever made a good argument for that.
0: Well, and these are the same people, as you pointed out before, these are the same people we like think that covid passports are fine to require like, co- like so
1: to get to go to to grab buy groceries they think you should have to show your medical information right <laughs> carter <laughs> uh okay um okay here's the here's one last thing i want to end with with this article and then we're, and then I'll quit raising your blood pressure.
0: (laughs) That's fine. I needed it to be raised. I was a little like tired and now I'm awake.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Here's a quote Hmm. from one of his family members. If we're really talking about celebrating the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. Voting rights was a cornerstone of his legacy Andrea Waters King, the civil rights leader's daughter-in-law, told CNN, "Everyone, <laughs> let's ask the civil rights I'm the neighbor leaders, the, the neighbors, mothers." The dog was
0: adopted by his daughter-in-law's cousin.
1: I want to hear from Martin Luther King's dog walker's grandma's brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a tangential
0: relationship with Dr. King.
2: <laughs> interview call me. me. Call me. Uh,
1: the daughter of one of the women he stepped out with said, I'm kidding. Um, <clears throat> we cannot simply in good faith celebrate him or celebrate the legacy with this current attack on access to the ballot box End quote. Anyway, that's all. It's all, it's all shameful. It's all shameful.
0: You know, you've got a problem that, well, so this is what you're seeing right now just let's just step back for a minute what you what you're seeing is um before in the past i've talked about government as being the gun in the room right government is the gun in the room it's the it's the entity that can lawfully use force against you that's what government is that's what makes it different from facebook right um even if facebook's bigger (laughs) in many cases than governments um Government can lawfully use force against you. They can throw you in jail. Men with guns can force you to pay taxes. They can force you to take vaccines. They can force you to do stuff, right? Um, in the earlier days of the United States, there was a gun in the room, but it was a small gun. It, would, like, there, it was limited. The founding fathers tried to limit it as much as they could. Oh, you can't point this way. Can't do that. Can't do this. It can only fire a little bit. Blah, blah, blah. Like, they tried to limit it because they knew that it was a concern. As the gun gets bigger and more powerful and the, and the the restraints on government are lifted, in other words, as you're allowed to point it at more and more people for whatever reason, the the fighting over who controls that gun becomes more intense. At the beginning, if it's like, well, the gun can really only point at this small subset of people only for these bad things, and it's like, all right, eh, no one really feels it's not worth your time to fight over the gun. It's not really ever going to point at you reasonably. And like, what? Fighting over the gun doesn't seem like a big deal. Right. But now, when basically, I mean, I guess this recent SCOTUS case about the max mandates not with or the vax mandates notwithstanding, I guess part of that is struck down a little bit of it, but they didn't strike down the whole thing. Uh, the federal government has almost carte blanche to do just about anything it wants, as we've seen. And even a lot of local and and state governments have carte blanche to do just about anything uh, if they get a a big enough reason, uh, or at least create manufacture a big enough reason. So now it becomes imperative that your enemy doesn't control the gun in the room, because they'll shoot you. Like, now that gun in the room has a lot more power, and that's what's happening. We're seeing, because we're in this late-stage republic, where the constraints on government have been being being lifted for years and years and years, but they're, they're, they're reaching a point now where every little group, everyone realizes, I need to seize this power. I need to seize this. this power is going to be the death of me or it's going to give me my Shangri-La or whatever the hell. It's going to allow me to be a, a tyrant, and so what you're seeing is this massive race to control uh the government and trump there's a lot i don't like about trump but i think trump scared them a little bit because they were on a steady path of like Mm -hmm. yep we will be implementing the chinese style authoritarianism very soon we're marching our way down trump came in and disrupted it even if he didn't know what he was doing even if he was incompetent about stuff even if you don't like trump he wasn't their plan (laughs) and that was scary They didn't plan on that. He wasn't, I don't think he was part of their plan. And so they freaked out and, you know, COVID is, is conveniently a godsend for them because it's got, it's got the masses worked up to like, oh, you need more power in your gun. You need to relift, you need to, you know, you need to be able to point it at whomever you want, however you want, whenever you want. Sure. I'm afraid of this tiny little virus that has a 99% survival rate.
1: It's interesting one one thing you said there, you made me think. I know some people who think Trump was part of their plan. They they don't trust the system to to such a degree that they think even Trump was selected. And they and whether that's true or not, I don't I don't believe that. But I know people I respect who do, and may, maybe they're right. I have no idea. But regardless, if you think of Trump like a crisis, like uh, for them, like COVID or like. Uh, 9/11. They never let a crisis go to waste. They didn't let Trump go to waste at all. They used him to great effect.
0: Oh, absolutely. News. He was he
1: was so
2: the left. He was yep. so good for the left.
1: Yeah, because yeah, because he became you know if we if we talk about it in these mass formation psychosis terms, he was that linchpin. He was that thing that's that scapegoat that they could put all of their anger and animosity into and. He became, you know, this whole Trump derangement syndrome thing that people talked about. It was like he became such a uh, lightning rod that they literally and to this day, they still do this. If they want their brainwashed sheep to follow them anywhere, even to a place like authoritarianism, like vaccine mandates and, and um, to a place that's against pro choice, the pro choice, pro choice is what they're supposed to be about. Right. But, but no, they're, they like come with us to this place of anti-choice where you don't get to make decisions for your own body. There's no body autonomy that all they have to do is say, Trump opposes these things, which isn't even true in some cases, but, but they'll say Trump opposes this. So you need to come over here and, and, and support this. And, and they're, and the sheep do. Or they'll you know, say Trump supports this thing to get the sheep to oppose it. It's so easy. It's just. It's amazing. I mean, they, I, I he was great.
0: Arguments. Them. I haven't heard the arguments for it, but the person you're talking about that thinks that Trump was like part of the plan. I mean, you gotta hand it to them. If the, if he was part of the plan, it was pretty brilliant. Right? Yeah, um, <laughs> it was pretty good. But, I don't know
1: if they're wow. that smart. That's why I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if they're that. If they
0: could see how they could use him. If he was part of the plan, he didn't know it. I'm pretty he didn't sure. know it. Yeah, me too. I agree. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I I could see the argument being made because he certainly did where their left was fractured and directionless because Hillary Clinton was completely uninspired uh, and an uninspiring person. And kind of, if you remember, prior to Trump, the left was doing their thing and they were kind of, you know, the SJWs were marching along and, and trying to you know get their ideology adopted on mass but the, you know the left wasn't really that um they weren't that unified the antifa was burning things down and yelling at people and like that was happening The radical left was there prior to trump but um the unity really happened after trump um
1: they needed someone to focus all the hate on so they could yes. come together again because they unite over hate. So it was like, you know, they, we, I say we, because I, I was on the left and I voted for Obama twice. We had Obama for eight years. We all quit paying attention. The leftists quit paying attention and we quit caring. I was so active when Bush was president. Cause I, there was somewhere to focus my hatred and I paid attention to everything. Mm -hmm. And I was on top of all the lies that CNN was pushing to get us into war. And I opposed the war. Why? Well, it wasn't just because Bush was for it. Although that they really, they really had tribalism. (laughs) That's a big reason. But no, I oppose war. And that's why I still like, it doesn't matter to me which president is pushing it. I, I don't believe in this whole, like, it's our job to go in and intervene in all these other countries when what we're really after is natural resources. Um, (laughs) And we try to sell it as something else. We're spreading democracy, but we want that oil, you know, or or whatever it happens to be. Um, Anyway, I, I had something to focus on and that was Bush. And then once Obama was in there, everyone on the left, just all these people on my side, we all just collectively sort of said, Oh, our guys in charge. I can stop paying attention. Yeah, not not completely. I'm talking in broad strokes here, but um, we kind of we we pull back. Plus, it sucks when the bad guys on your side. You'll blind yourself to it. So we saw. I was part of a social justice group that went down to the border. We saw that Obama was deporting more people than Bush had, and but we kind of just put blinders on for that. You don't want to make a big deal of it. People too. he was drone striking. We totally put blinders on for that, mm-hmm. and and then when you get to, and we're kind of like all like you're saying we're sort of I think I think probably if I were to think about it at the end of the Obama years the left was yeah in disarray. Uh, social justice had taken a a grip over the base, not the whole base, but a a big enough percentage. Right. That that the leaders were now listening to it and speaking it, and so. You had Hillary Clinton, for the first time, I can think of a a mainstream Democratic politician who was running for presidential office who was speaking social justice.
0: Yeah, and if you Um, think about it, what better way? So let's say you're trying to get social justice into the mainstream. It's starting to take over. You've got your leaders starting to speak about it, but it's still not normalized. It wasn't normalized, right? It was Um, not normalized yet. Right? What better way to normalize it than by you know, social justice, a lot of the social justice ideology is built on this premise that there is this boogeyman of white yes. racism. Yes. What better way to, like, validate it than to take a guy who you can represent yes. as, oh, here's an example, right? And obviously I Trump wasn't that, but he was – I don't think he was savvy enough at combating his no. – what they were – how they would slur him. And certainly, even if he had been or was, I mean, they could relentlessly go after him. He's just like, first of all, he's the kind of guy that's easy to dislike, right? Yeah. Like just the vibe, the his, his way of being is very easy for the left to dislike. He's arrogant, brash, kind of like, live big, gaudy kind of guy. He's everything they hate. So emotionally, he's an excellent scapegoat. And yeah. then all they have to do is say, and he's white, so that's awesome, and he's rich, rich white guy, <laughs> right? And and there's argument that – they can make arguments, plausible arguments that like, well, he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth, just like all white people and blah, blah, blah. Like yeah. he, he's got like – they can throw everything at him, and then uh, and then they just use him, and then they just start piling stuff on. Like everything he says they can intentionally mistake uh, out of context because he's being kind of uh, – and this is granted, this is what people liked about him, but because he was being kind of just matter of fact, like, hey, we got a problem on this border from these kind of people and blah, blah, blah. And Like he just he talks about things openly, shithole countries, straightforwardly, so they could. Great. That's that's great fodder for misrepresenting what he's saying and building up this demagogue. Which can which sort of totally solidified the party. It totally solidified, yeah. That it gave it gave legitimacy. I I'm, I imagine plenty of regular soccer moms were like, I've never heard of this social justice thing, and all the all the SJWs had to do was be like, Trump, my Trump, and like, yeah. oh yeah, that's yeah. a problem, and like, yeah. bam, suddenly they're bought in. Robin D'Angelo selling white fragility, it's everywhere. Yeah, and I mean, he was the he was one of the best things to happen to them.
1: Oh yeah, totally. It brought them, it brought them all together. It helped launch social justice into the mainstream. That was one of the acceleration points was his election. That's when it sped up. One of the first times it really sped up before George Floyd, that was another acceleration point, but yeah, they, they loved him. They still talk about him. That's all they write about.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And he, so they, he was a great, uh, lightning rod for their hate and then I think their worship then switched to Fauci right
2: yeah
0: um, they're like okay now we have a crisis we got rid of the orange man bad is gone
2: mm-hmm.
0: but we have this crisis which can still be blamed on orange man bad let's blame the crisis on orange man bad generally because that was I don't know if you recall but that was like it was all his fault uh,
2: well not
1: they're not going to give up COVID because see it's like they used they used Trump to galvanize, to bring together, to bring unity over hatred. Now they're using COVID in the same way. Um, they're not going to give up COVID until they have something else. They try to turn January 6 into that, but I don't know if you saw the latest polls. That the it's not polling it's not well. Yeah. yeah, it's not polling well. D- them trying to say January 6 was an insurrection, especially among moderates. They're like, "What? No,
0: like January what? Oh.
1: <laughs> they're like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. What happened then?
0: <laughs> yeah." <laughs> Yeah, it's not working. Um, so they, they have to yeah, find something.
1: So they're going to keep COVID until they get something that
0: works. Because yeah, um, or at least as long as they can. I mean, maybe they'll have a period, a lull, where they're like, eh, yeah, you know. Um, I don't know. If I, I don't know if they can keep energy going there. They're
1: but... trying to turn Desantis into a, I mean, it was he was in one of these articles, right? Right. They're um, trying to turn Desantis into a Trump, like a lightning rod, where they can focus all the hatred. I don't know if that's going to work. He's he doesn't have the same personality is trump like all those uh personal characteristics you talked about that made him easy to hate yeah desantis comes off like a big nerd he doesn't come off that way
0: yeah i don't know yeah anyway. um and i think he would like their biggest criticism of him would be his how he handled covid and he's savvy enough to throw data back at them that this mainstream does not want like I don't think the main the mainstream media does not want DeSantis to run for office and then challenge him on COVID like Floridian Floridian COVID policy because I don't think they want facts about how COVID has fair or how COVID has done in Florida or how Florida is done in the in the face of COVID. I don't think they want those facts.
1: They don't. They don't want those facts out they there. They just. It
0: will be like, hey, well, let's take a look, guys. Like he'll do that.
1: They just want to be able to publicly criticize him and then quietly take vacations to Florida and enjoy freedom there.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> you just want to sleep with her, Carrie.
1: <laughs> She's not the only one. Who else was in the news? Does chat know? Somebody else was in the news recently for like a big, a big, uh, COVID authoritarian lockdown mask vax mandate supporter. I forget who it was. They were vacationing in Florida too, maskless.
0: <laughs> of course they were. Uh, <laughs> course they were let's do some super chats okay um and but then beverly after the super chats i want to play the kamal harris video for carrie's probably seen it but i want to play i I love it so much i want to play it so get it queued up okay um pirate tomsky pirate tomsky says laws are not morality a large number of genocides were carried out by people following laws carried out against those who refused to follow them yep 100 uh two distinct things Laws are the rules that the guys with guns in your geographical area <laughs> tell you, like those are the rules you have to follow, that the people who control the monopoly on these, of that's what laws are. Uh, you can hope in your fantasy that they only tell you rules that are good and moral rules like don't murder people. But often it doesn't work out that way. Adam Coleman. Says when people realize it was the Dems who are filibustering, they always go to they switched parties, myth. Yes. Yeah, they do the Great Switch. And there is a, I think it's Dinesh D'Souza, whom I I, you know, he's conservative, so I don't always agree with him. But he has a documentary, I think, where he debunks uh the Great Switch and goes through exactly like the percentages and what was happening. And you can watch like very few People actually switched. It wasn't a great switch. It's a myth. And he goes through that. Uh, Joseph Oak says, every day is January 6th <laughs> with them. Every day is January yeah. 6th with them. You're right. Like January 6th is an insurrection, right? Oh, my God, it's an insurrection. It's the greatest attack on a democracy since the Civil War. But they do that They do that every day. Everything is catastrophizing. It's a threat to our democracy, the filibuster. Oh, my God. It's, <laughs> a, it's a nuclear weapon against democracy, right? And everything's like that.
1: It's not a con- um, convenient day for freedom.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> suddenly suddenly, there, William Wallace, the left. Uh, Keith the heck Guy says, I have a dream that one day my children's arguments will be judged on the content of their arguments, not on their character. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: I don't know if that's going to happen, Keith, but... keep dreaming i'll fight you naked says someone please throw the one ring into the fire that sounds like an anarchist uh sentiment there i'll fight you naked and i didn't think you were an anarchist but throw that gun into the fire uh southeastern kaiju says glad i was able to catch y'all live today thanks thanks for thanks for the super chat And two sisters and some yarn say super chat for a winter sweater for Tiger since it's so cold and it's Betty's birthday.
1: Yes. Happy birthday, Betty. And Tiger uh, has a sweater. It's not handmade, but he has a sweater that he wears in the cold weather. I think some of you have seen it, and uh, it makes him look like he owns a yacht. And so we call him Reginald when he wears it (laughs) because he looks really fancy.
0: (laughs) (sighs) all right do you have this video beverly i hope she has this all right yeah, i can't okay full screen it and let's list this is uh someone interviewing kamala harris here we go he's asked he's going to ask does about the. Minist- the he, sorry he's going to ask about whether he's asking about whether the administration should change its uh COVID policies okay
2: go ahead does the administration say you know what the strategy isn't working we're going to change strategies Six former administration officials last week wrote that open letter, urging the administration to change course, to change strategy. Is it time?
1: It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day, it is time for us (laughs) to agree that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. And so, right now, we can stop. It doesn't matter after this. (laughs) A number of people that. that... So I saw somebody. Qu- I didn't see this before. <laughs> thank you. But I did see somebody quote this. And in the written word, it doesn't sound as bad, but it's pretty bad.
0: It's so, pretty bad in the written word, but it's better in video. Play uh, it one more. Can re- you play it one
1: more time? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I want to see if I can understand what she's saying.
0: It's time for us to do what we have been doing. And that time is every day. Okay. Every day it's time for us to agree that they're. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: Wait. Wait. Or actually, just scroll up, Beverly. Let me read what it says. It's time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. <laughs> This sounds like a children's song from Barney. Do you remember Barney? It's like
0: oh, it's yes. time
1: for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Like you could totally make a kids' TV show out you of could.
0: this. I don't know. That's
1: every day. It's time <laughs> for us to agree. Yeah, that's.
0: I could definitely hear. I could. I can imagine people locked in windowless cells on LSD with red flashing lights, having to hear this over and over again. Uh, but I'm not sure.
1: I, I love you. Them. You love me. It's time for us to do what we've been doing, and the time is every day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's time for us to
2: all I agree. Think you
0: switched somehow, but it was fine. Being, yeah. Um, I just want to look. Obviously, she's speaking extemporaneously, and so people. People, there are guffaws when people speak extemporaneously. I'm sure I've said things that make no sense if you, you know, take them out of context or even just fumble over my words. We all do it. But the interesting thing about this fumble, which I, this kind of fumble doesn't happen unless your default is to completely evade questions, right? This kind of fumble happens, like it's a pretty straightforward question. Is it time to change the strategy? There's two basic answers. no. Yes, maybe there's a third I don't know, right? So you could say, no, it's not time to change the strategy I'm confident that our strategy is great And Fox News is just horrible Okay, fine, you could write that down That could be your answer Yes, it's time to change the strategy You know what, we are based on the science, TM And, and as long as Fauci says we should change We'll change the strategy Okay, you could say that You can say, I don't know, I'm not up to speed on anything I'm not sure why any of those are scary to her But apparently all those answers are flat out She can't do that What she's got to do, and I think it's just habit, she's just like always never answer the question. Always evade, always evade, always evade. And so she starts talking. She starts out with sentences that mean nothing because that's how you evade. You start talking, and your mind is going in the background like, how do I complete the sentence and kind of get around to sort of touching on the issue but not actually saying anything and making it sound like I did? (laughs) Right? So – well. It's time to – so she starts. It's time for us – he's asking, remember, it's time to change the strategy. It's time for us to do what we have been doing. Okay, that makes – like, okay, that's a non-statement, but it sounds like she's answering. And then she just decides, like, well, I I need to keep talking because I haven't really figured out how to wrap this up yet. So I'm going to make – there's a platitude. I need to sound like we are urgent. And that time is every day. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. And then I have to make it sound like we're cooperating. Every day is a time for us to agree. Okay. that the, And then she like pauses that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. It's the most, I mean, it's a massive evasion, but it's also just beautifully and hilariously worded. I love it. I want it on a t-shirt.
1: It makes me think of Bell Gibson's 60 Minutes interview. Do you know Bell Gibson? So Carter, I just keep I introducing I thought you mispronounced
0: you. Mel Gibson for a moment there. No. So it sounds like you did not.
1: Look, I'm going to introduce you to another interesting personality disordered <laughs> figure. Uh, Bell Gibson was this Australian woman who claimed to have brain terminal brain cancer that she cured through natural foods, and she became really famous on Instagram, and she uh, had a... a came out with an app and a book, had a publisher, was making all this money, um, was in regular contact with people who actually had brain cancer, and some of them children, and was encouraging them to give up treatment and pursue her diet. And also some of the parents of those kids said she was pumping them for information on what symptoms would be like if she actually had brain cancer. Anyway, it turns out, doesn't have brain cancer. She, she also said she had like three other cancers. I forget what they all were. And I mean, the, the lies just kept tumbling out of this woman. But if you watch her interview with 60 Minutes, she's asked a yes or no question several times, like the one you just saw with Kamala Harris. And what comes out of her mouth is this kind of word salad. It's amazing because, and the interviewer tries really hard, this interviewer should have tried to pin Kamala down and said what you just said, which is, this is a simple question yes or no, and then explain why. But there's at one point, this interviewer is like, even asking her, she's like, Belle, how old are you? And Bell's like, well, I've always been raised with the belief that what I currently believe today that my age is somewhere, um, I believe that I've been living as 26. And she's like, Belle, how yeah. old are you? <laughs> like, and She's like, well, my belief that what I've done, and it just goes on and on. <laughs> <laughs> and it, there's no concrete answer and it, it, it just makes you think of this slip. Yes. It's a postmodernist thing. And it's sort <laughs> of, you can't even pin this person down on yes or no. I mean, there's, there are absolute lies that this woman told um, in her book, you know, where it's like, I'm in the doctor's office. And he told me that I had this, this cancer. And she's like, you weren't in this doctor's office. Correct. And, and she can't even answer that. She's like, Well, there was a man who came to my house and he had a machine and he told me I had cancer. And it's like, she's like, but you were not in a doctor's office who gave you, told you, well, I thought this man was a doctor. It's like, but you (laughs) you weren't in a doctor's office. like, (laughs) it just keeps going and going and going. Anyway, sorry to derail us with this, but no, you guys, I if you're not you should look her up because it is fascinating to watch and the only reason she agreed to do the 60 minutes interview was cuz I think she got paid something like $75,000. Otherwise, it's like why would you sit there while all of your lies are there were things she had written about how she died on the operating table and came back to life and stuff. And these things never happened. And she said, "Well, they uh she said I you know, given everything I'd been through, I I would tend to be a little dramatic. And she's like, that's not dramatic. You told lies. <laughs> like, anyway, <laughs> makes me think of that. It's like, should we change course? Yes or no? Well, what we should be doing every day is there's a certain time of day to do what we do. And what we do is. Right. It's like, and every oh, time is that
0: time. And we yes agree. Yes or no. It's time for agreeing <laughs> about doing. And we have things we could do. Do we should you agree that in, we have things we could do.
1: Yeah. Do you believe in objective truth? Well, there's this. Da, 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 da. No, no,
0: no, 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 you got your answer. No. No. Yeah. You don't believe in objective truth. And, and actually, we got our answer from Kamala Harris, which is, I have no fucking idea. She could have just said that. Yeah. She maybe had to leave out fucking because it was on NBC. So she could have used three words. I, well, four words. I have no idea. Is it time change a tragedy? Uh-huh. I don't you know. I could have just said that. That would have been fine. It would have been uh, more clear.
1: Southeastern KJU, this is not a super chat, but it has a great quote in the chat. Mm-hmm. Some people will remember oh, this. this one. I love this. I ah! personally believe that US Americans are unable to do so because um, some people out there in our nation don't have maps. And uh, I believe.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is that level bad.
1: <laughs> Miss Team South Carolina, guys.
0: Is that who that was? South Carolina? Yeah. Yeah. I remember the mis- I remember that Miss Teen poor girl. Anyway. Well, I just that's a fun one. Okay. I really like that Kamala Harris video. I enjoyed video, it.
1: So, Thank you for playing it. Um <laughs>
0: did you also see uh did you also see the um I think you did. I think you're the one on Twitter who I saw it from. I don't remember. Did you see the Mexican TV host that lost his yes. shit?
1: Yeah, um can we play that actually because Yes, we should. So Claire Layman from Colette shared this. That's where I first saw it. And she said that this is harsh but fair.
0: Well, yeah, if you don't know Spanish you're not going to be able to understand it, but well the translation's in the tweet. So go ahead and play it. You can get his energy.
2: al próximo. Ustedes, malditos antivacunas, bolas de imbéciles, ya déjense de fregaderas y por lo menos pónganse el maldito cubrebocas y dejen de estar fregando al mundo. Si sí, tú, antivacunas, eres un imbécil, ¡ponte el cubrebocas! ¡Ahí te voy!
1: So, so my first energy read on him before you even know what he's saying is this guy has the energy of one of these fire and brimstone preachers that you usually see on street corners or, or on uh pay-per-view <laughs> like the ones that scream at you on infomercials.
0: Oh yeah, maybe I, the energy that I get without it is, is anger mostly like he, he sounds like, Um, You know, when you're walking down the streets of San Francisco and there's a crazy homeless person that's mad at you because Mm -hmm. you have an alien vibe or like you stepped over his pee stain or whatever, like just a random, super angry for some irrational, crazy reason, screaming at you and following you. That's the vibe that I get from this dude. Like, yes, irrational, homeless man, crazy vibe. Um, And what he's saying. This is a quote I didn't do the translation, so let's assume this is, this looks about right. It says, you damned anti vax oh sorry, he's probably saying it very calmly. You damned anti-vaxxers, gaggle of morons, stop with your bullshit, and at least put on a goddamn face mask, and stop hitting the brakes for the entire world. Yes, you anti-vaxxers, you are a moron. Put on a face mask. Um. This is what's, this is actually quite scary to me. Uh, Not this man, but the existence uh, of people like this. This is scary because if you'll notice the government has gotten themselves, the authoritarians in the government, which is the government, the government's gotten itself into a position in which the more they tighten their grip, the more authoritarian they get, the more angry the general population population gets. But there's a large percentage of the population who directs that anger, not at the government, but at the non-compliant at the people who have been saying, Hey, this is authoritarianism. We shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be complying like the people who recognize it as authoritarianism are the ones that are, are receiving the vitriol and hate that should be directed at the government itself. So they've got a, they've got a no consequence. In fact, they've got a positive feedback loop right here for authoritarianism. If I grip more, if I, if I introduce more authoritarianism, my sheep like this guy will demand that I treat you even more harshly because they're not going to be mad at me. They're going to be mad at you. Um, and you're the, you're the only barrier to authoritarianism right now are the people fighting this stuff. That's it. That's the only barrier because certainly the, the NPCs, the, the, the vax zombies are not going to fight anything. They'll do anything. Fauci could say you need to call dye your hair blue and start eating beetle dung, and they'd be like, yep, that's the thing you got to do. It doesn't matter. They will do whatever they're told. The only people standing in the way of authoritarianism right now – authoritarianism right now are the people protesting mandates, the people refusing to go along with stuff uh, to invoke Martin Luther King, the people disobeying unjust laws. Those are the only people standing in the way – and they have this positive feedback loop where they can get those people attacked and, and vilified and scapegoated simply by cramping down on everyone. Ratchet up the authoritarianism and guys like this get angrier not at the authoritarians, but at you for opposing them. It's a scary feedback loop.
1: Yeah, but it's harsh, but fair. Just kidding. <laughs> Fuck Claire. Oh. <laughs>
0: not literally i don't think that would be fun i just mean figure uh, it's a scary feedback loop it is I, I it it's a black pill to think about that feedback loop i mean i'm again i'm ultimately white pill, and i think that people will enough people will see through this and at least a portion of us will escape i'm hoping that's what we're counting on but it's a scary Secure because think- he's not alone. That's the sentiment of he's rep, he's reflecting like normal soccer moms. Right? They are they maybe they're not as as angry about it, but they blame the unvaxxed. Yeah. Look at the Australian population with Djokovic, who was exported he was deported by the way. He's gone. He's not gonna get to play in uh in the um in the open, Australian open. And I don't think he can come back in the country for three years. So he's going to miss several Australian opens. Um, And look at the, look at the reaction of a lot of, I, I know that there's some opposition in Australia, but, but there's a lot of compliance in Australia and there's a lot of anger at him, it's not at the government. So yeah. this,
1: this guy, when I shared this and said, he seemed to me like one of those angry street preachers boaming at the mouth. This guy said on Twitter, says to me, well, considering many have died when nations could have done better to prepare, I'd say it's a fairly reasonable response. You have no idea what the dude could be going through. Maybe he lost family, friends. So Uh, Empathy. Right. So here's. Here's what I said. I just, I want to, I want you to hear what this guy replied with. I said, I don't think scapegoating a group of people that's erroneously named in the first place and then venting hatred at them for something they're not responsible for is a reasonable response. His emotions are reasonable, but targeting the unvaxxed are not. So then hear this. This is why it's like you said, sometimes it's like, once I realize this guy's talking to me in bad faith which I realized in the next tweet, I was like, okay, I'm done. He says, okay. I wouldn't say that's hatred. That looks more like frustration to me. Oh my god! It, wait, listen to this. And if you're going to say his emotions are unreasonable, didn't I just say his emotions are, are reasonable, reasonable. Yeah. period. <laughs> he goes, if you're going to say his emotions are unreasonable, then the mere act of not wearing a mask is too. I understand some vaccine hesitancy, but if you refuse to wear a mask, you're soft.
0: Okay. You're soft. Okay. I, don't, what does it even I mean? don't even,
1: I don't even know. And some guy correctly pointed out, he was like, what are you talking about? She said, the emotions are reasonable. This is one of those things where like we talked about at the beginning, where do you even start with this? There's so many things you're mm-hmm. saying. And so I was, I, I said to the guy like, uh, firstly, who are you talking to? I said, his emotions are reasonable. <laughs> right. And secondly, calling people soft to try and force compliance only works on the people who are soft enough that they're already compliant. Like you calling me soft isn't going to be like, oh, gosh, he thinks I'm a weak person. Let me go put a mask on real quick.
0: Like, it's like calling the, the journalist who's currently rotting in jail because he refuses to divulge the name of his source to a judge. And he's in jail for contempt. You're soft. Yeah. No, you might not like me. You might not like what I'm doing, but soft is not an accurate description. No, I mean, it's not going to work on a journalist like that because your stupid name calling is the least of what he's dealing with. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's like- and by
1: the way, this is one of those cases, again, where I think you can see sometimes when a stranger lashes out, see, this guy's fighting an idea of me in his head. He wants to argue with somebody who doesn't exist so much so that he can't even read what I wrote correctly, where I said is uh, this guy's emotions are val- reasonable. He he he's like, ah, oh, you say they're not reasonable? Dude, you're talking to somebody in your head. Like you're not talking to me. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, and he's and, also
0: in that myth world where he's got an entire myth uh mythical uh narrative. That he has he an
1: entire mythical narrative. He thinks I'm saying things I'm not saying, um, which black and white, what I just said, it contradicts <laughs> what he thinks I'm saying. And then he and then he also sometimes you see this with uh, like people that don't know anything about you or, or they have a false construction of you in their head. They don't know how to hurt you. So they, they engage in projection and they say they use insults that would hurt them because they think that's, that's like the really laziest oh, way to right. hurt someone. And so he calls me soft because he, because that would work on him. Do you see what I'm right. saying? So it's like, uh, Okay. Yeah. miss Yeah. Try a different sure. arrow.
0: <laughs> I Look, I'm not familiar with a lot of, I didn't read a lot of Harry Potter or that kind of stuff, but is there a, is there a beast? Is there some kind of demon that just like steals time from you? <laughs>
1: yes. I don't know, but that's, yes, it's a time.
0: Because I would like to, I think we are, I think we're living in a world in which there are way more of those kind of time suck demons oh, totally. than we realize. They totally. are all over. And
1: once I saw that in the ne- then I just was I don't even, I don't even block a lot of people I usually just put them on mute if they if their time sucks but I I just was like no done block cuz he just kept you should have seen what he said after that Carter it just got worse he's like are all military people soft because they take vaccines I was like okay I can't even <laughs> uh, <laughs> Kitchen sink
0: I, you know, I used to want to call it just low IQ because I want, I want some kind of, uh, and I used to call those people morons and low IQ because I want to have, there's like a need to have invectives hurled at them. Uh, it's not low IQ though, necessarily. It's not moron. They're not morons, but they are rabidly insane. There's some kind of, they're psychologically broken. Yeah. um there's 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 a psychological maybe the guy's iq is high i don't know but it's not functioning yeah. properly because it's there's some block there's a psychological insane They're. i'll use some here we'll use the language we'll use uh religious language they're demon possessed they're possessed by a psychological demon that's just like finally like doesn't work <laughs> This right is they the don't what I've been waiting for. Let's <laughs> talk about. <laughs> no, but I mean I think yeah. at least as an analogy it's a, it's a perfect analogy. They're they're demon possessed. They don't and and I think I think that analogy probably applies to debunked terms and I'm putting in and quotes like mass formation, right? They're we see people in crowds behave irrationally. We know this. We know people in cults behave irrationally. They're not necessarily dumb. They just, they, they, they are broken psychologically. Something's wrong. Um, and that's what this is. Uh, and, and you, there's no reason to talk to those people. I mean, unless you're an exorcist, uh, there's no reason to like, there's no reason to talk to them. They are time sucks. um, Everyone's happy that I think demons are real. I'm using it as a metaphor. Don't get too excited. You can get excited. But it's an excellent, I, excellent metaphor. It's an excellent I think, metaphor.
1: I think demons are real and also a metaphor. And I, so there.
0: You can't tell which one <laughs> it is with this guy. Is it real it or a metaphor? Doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because <laughs> you
1: can treat it the same way. It doesn't matter yeah. if they're real or a metaphor. You can, you can just thinking of it, even if you just think of it metaphorically, it's useful because then it helps you say, okay, I'm not actually talking to this person. I'm talking to like sometimes the way that Peter Jordan Peterson talks about people being possessed by ideology,
2: right?
1: You're not actually talking to them. You're talking to their belief system. It's like a programming. It's a series of things that they've been programmed to spit out. They sit around all day reading the propaganda, like all the pieces that say, Martin Luther King Jr. doesn't actually believe in judging people by the content of their character. And if you say that he does, then you're misusing his name. And they just wait for you to say his name and say that quote so they can say, stop using his name in vain. Like they have a code, they have a program. yeah, And they just spit it out. So whether it's an actual demon or it's just um, useful to think of it like possession, either way, you can treat it the same.
0: Well, I mean, you could use the analogy that you – bring up often uh, that we, that was in uh, Righteous Mind, right? The the elephant and rider analogy, psychologically, it's, it's like what's happened is uh, the elephant has been spooked by something, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and it's just on a rampage, and I don't mean like a temporary rampage where they're mad for five minutes. I mean, it's like on a rampage. It's it's off the rails it's rampaging for years it's it they've completely lost control at least in this aspect of their lives right when it comes to this thing there's something about this topic where the elephant has free reign um and on this particular topic maybe in other things they can go back to you know their day job and be rational but when it comes to this topic it it triggers something it spooks their elephant in some way where they just can't their, their writers just rationalizing right that's it
1: I think a lot of the covid the way that the, the the media the cathedral the politicians the way that they've been able to use this crisis to manipulate people and to push through the authoritarian policies that they want i think it's because this crisis in particular even more so than the the Terrorism one, even more so than the, 9, the 9-11 and radical Islamic terrorism. This crisis plays into people's fear of death and their oh, denial. Because
0: yeah, 9-11 happened and it's over and like that this yes. could get you wherever you are. It could get you. Right.
1: And so, and people have a, they have like a weird, I mean, they, I think a lot of people just haven't grappled with death. They, they're living in, as we talked about earlier, a mythology about a lot of things, not just politics, not just about history and narrative and and what's happening, the movements in the world, the big movements. They're they're not just living in a fantasy land about all of that, like in this in the other movie that Scott Adams talks about. They're in the other movie, but they also a lot of these people don't think they're going to die. They don't think that they're going to that you should ever get sick. That that they right. think they truly believe it's like this this weird kind of um, I don't know what you call it. Is it it's a is it related to narcissism is it related to worship of the self self or what but they they haven't grappled with the concept of death and so that's why i think this this crisis covid was so useful for them to use and manipulate because it gets right to the heart of that fear of death and that sort of i haven't acknowledged that i am going to pass away one day and that everybody i love is going to pass away and
0: it, it might yeah i'm not i'm not sure i'm trying to think of the psychological i don't think it's a narcissism um i think it's i mean there's definitely a lot of escapism right i mean we spend i don't know if you add up television and social media eight hours a day on average as americans which is insane mm-hmm. it's an insane amount of like and most of that's dopamine addiction. Or escapism, right? That's mostly what it is. It's not people writing grandma and connecting with her on Facebook, right? It's, it's dopamine addiction and escapism. And we, we definitely have a nation of coddled people who believe they, they, they leave home where mom and dad do everything for them. I mean, we, so there's been parenting issues, right? put the abuses aside there's been plenty of abuses but there's also the non the non physically abusive parents have been uh th- there definitely was a trend for like decades of be your friend to your kid coddle your child like the helicopter mom thing whatever so they leave they leave their family and they go to university where they demand to be coddled again at university because like mm-hmm. someone needs to be the authority someone needs to tell me what to do and keep me safe like, there's no, like, I need to be kept safe. And then they go out in the world, and they're like, someone needs to tell me do what to do and to be kept safe. And maybe we've just reached a point where there are enough of those people that the government can be like, hey, it's me. It's Fauci. We'll keep you safe. We'll tell you what to do. And by the way, these bad people are the problem. Right. Um,
1: and you're and- so divorced. We've become so comfortable, and times are so good, and we're so privileged that we've become divorced from the reality of survival and what life what life is like for most humans and has been like for most humans throughout history. I mean, if you go to a civil war, um, like there's a couple of old cemeteries near me. If you go to one of these old cemeteries, you'll see lots of tombstones for babies. Yeah. Lots of them of, for children and toddlers, a shocking number because that used to be more of the norm. Like it. it it's a relatively short amount of time that we've been able to live with such security and medical advances and and technology and all this pampering where we've kind of just divorced ourselves from these facts of life. Somebody at my church after church yesterday, a bunch of us ladies were talking and somebody was talking about during Victorian times, how was that the ladies at church? Oh no, this was in the knitting podcast. I'm confusing the ladies. (laughs) This was in the knitting, the knitting hangout. Uh, They were talking about when people passed away, you know, in the Victorian era, you used to have like your great grandma or great grandpa, whoever, like laid out for a couple of days and people would come over and mourn and bring food. And it was like, you would, that was a part of life. You were accustomed to death that, that this is something that happens. And, that's just not, that doesn't, that's not the case anymore. A lot of times your older family members are put into homes. They don't even live with you. And then when they pass away, they're, it's not like they're in the family home um, where kids grow up like grappling with death and understanding. I think, I think kids are sheltered from a lot today, but, but definitely from the idea of death.
0: That story I heard, but it was from someone else and I don't want to name that person because um my guess is that you might have actually, it might not have been the knitters. You might've heard it from somewhere else, but I don't want to name them because they might not want to be named.
1: Um, Oh no. I heard it from the knitters.
0: Okay. Uh, Afterwards. I'll tell you who, Um, but yeah. And and, uh, with the, with the coddling stuff, I think we have a lot of, we we switched to the generation where we're trying to raise our kids to be protected rather than to be strong. And there's a difference between those two things, right? Um, we're not raising people to be strong. To be strong, yeah. you have to you have to remove protections consciously and be like, okay, I'm not going to protect my child from these particular things. And that does introduce some risk. And obviously, you don't just remove all protections, you know, right away. My point is, you gradually you're removing protections because you need to expose them to uh, stress. You need to expose them to uh, conflict. You need to expose them to problems so that they grow strength. Colds. Right? Um. Yeah. Germs. Well, that's why there used to be chicken pox parties, right? Mm-hmm. Expose them to chicken pox. Um. So. You need to, if, if you're trying to grow a strong adult, you don't just shelter them from everything enti- entirely. But I think we've, we've become a culture of sheltered, we were sheltered kids. We grew up and, and we we're, as a result, we're not fully formed psychologically as adults. We still have a need for an authority figure to tell us what to do, to manage our lives, to manage our interactions with other people um, and to take care of us in some way. Um, and we also haven't dealt with, like you're saying, we haven't dealt with this idea that we will die. One of the things about being exposed to hardship is this realization, like, oh, I can get hurt. Things can happen to me. Like I'm, I'm a vulnerable being in the world. There's not, I'm not, life isn't a padded room with guardrails and whatever. Like (laughs) it's, it's a rock climb, and if I fall, I can get seriously injured or die. Like, there, that is what life is like, and it's my responsibility to take care of myself, um, and we don't have that anymore. And this is why I think to a lot of us, the leftists, especially when you see um, Antifa or a lot of the radical uh, social justice warriors in colleges or the people on Twitter who have got their pronouns in their profile and they're lamenting about being uh, – offended or mistreated or whatever we look at them like children right the the, the reaction is like wow they seem really childish that's why they seem childish right yeah because children can't handle that yeah right but adults should have no problem with being misgendered right? yeah. adults should be able to handle it they might not like it they might say something about it or whatever but they don't go off like that guy in What was that video stuff? Video like, yeah, it's man. Adults behave.
1: No, adults would behave like Pat from SNL and just let it roll off his/her back.
0: Right. (laughs) Right.
1: Pat never forced the issue. Pat was never (laughs) like. It's like, come on, people. Oh, even little things like, I have a name that gets misspelled a lot. I don't care. But people do.
0: Wait, your name gets misspelled?
1: Yeah, because there's the C A R R I E K E R I E K E R I. Yeah. And so, like, if you're at a, a coffee shop or something where they put your name, I just noticed this maybe five or six years ago. People started getting real precious about, like, how do you spell it to make sure they get it right? And, like, I don't, or if they spell it wrong, I'll figure then, out who you mean. <laughs> yeah. They'll spell it wrong. They'll spell it wrong. And then they'll say, oh, Oh, I'm sorry. Is that the way you spell it? I'm like, no, no. Oh, well, let me change. It. I'm like, it doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll survive.
1: <laughs> or even in the comments before here, I've seen people sure. misspell it. And then, ap- I mean, that's kind, that's respectful, whatever. That's cool. But I don't care. It doesn't, it's not going to, my identity's not so wrapped up in like, Oh, you misspell oh. my name. It's so disrespectful, but we've become accustomed to that because so many people in, I mean, people in social justice do this all the time. And and especially, I mean, gosh, forbid that you have a name that's like, um, you know, Indian, or, or and and you're in social justice, and so you're you're constantly telling people that's not the way you pronounce you pronounce it like this. Like, just be gr- be kind, be gracious when yeah. you're telling people they're not purposefully mispronouncing it, they're not purposefully misspelling it, they're not doing it because there's secretly some. Closet sexist who wants to just stick it to you by misspelling Carrie. They're not like some s- closet racist who's like, I can't wait to trip over this name. You know, I do it now just to be funny because it offends so many people. So it's like, <laughs> like, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. You shouldn't be that fragile. Yeah. Anyway.
0: Well, <laughs> let's do some super chats at the end here, and then I think we can probably we could probably wrap it up. Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: Somebody no people okay.
0: People misspelling your name.
1: Yeah, they're misspelling (laughs) it all different kinds of ways. I was gonna say line line seventy-three, just that you've gone too far. I K K Y R I E.
0: (laughs) Isn't there an eighties song, Kiri? Something. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I take great offense. You offended me, (laughs) you've offended my family and the Shaolin.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Offended your honor. Um (laughs) All right, let's do some super chats. G man says Kamala acts like, or Kamala, depending on how you want to pronounce it, acts like they aren't giving her the questions before the interview. I don't get how terribly unprepared she always seems. Yeah, I imagine they do give her the questions because people like that usually demand them beforehand. Uh, what? What is there? Something else in chat? You, you let it out. It's okay.
1: Curry. <laughs> Curry. Curry Smith. <laughs> cherry sorry you guys I love silly humor this will keep me laughing all day stop go ahead Carter
0: <laughs> no, no that's fine uh... <laughs> Andrew Joyner gives us a super sticker of a hippo thank you Pirate Tomsky says the more you tighten your grip Tarkin the more star systems will slip through your fingers thank you Princess Leia slash Pirate Tomsky Princess Leia in a beard um Dixon McClacker uh, gives us 50 Australian dollars and says, hello from Australia. Everything is fine here. Nothing to see. We could do with some ice cream, though. For the love of God, please send help. We are imprisoned by a tyrannical government. Please send. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Your message got out. Uh, your message got out. Oh, they're going on you. Look at this. <laughs> it doesn't stop with these. K. H. A. R. Y. (laughs) Cherry Sims. How did this? It's like the telephone game. This is going to be your name is going to be completely unrelated. Mandy
1: says, Quarter Larry. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Juicy Smolate.
2: (laughs) All right.
0: Anyway. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Keith, that guy says, need to change the name to Australian Closed instead of the Australian Open. Nice, Keith. Nice. Well, look, if you do win the Australian Open, you're not the best tennis player. No one will ever believe it. Uh, Andrew Knapp says, if the government can mandate a mask, they can mandate a vax. I've been saying that for a year. And Sotomayor just agreed to that, That discur- argued that to SCOTUS. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Wow. Well. Welcome to the club, Andrew. If they can mandate anything, they can mandate everything. <laughs> like That's how that works. If they have control over you, they have control over you. Uh, all right. Let's see. Um, Mandy. Oh, wait. I can pronounce her last name now if I scroll back. She said how to pronounce it somewhere. I got to find it. <laughs> I've never pronounced it correctly, apparently. Here we go. Carabajous. Carabajous? Carabajous. I'm going to go with Caravages. Mandy says, I don't think anybody could choke as bad as Tony Romo. Dak Prescott made Romo hold his $75 million beer. FML. Uh, I don't even know what you're talking about, Mandy, but it sounds very exciting. Uh, Another one for Mandy. Who's your favorite demon? Corn. Uh, Swinsk? Nurgle or Slanish—is that from a thing?
1: I don't know. I don't know those demons. Is that from Harry Potter or are those like
0: I don't know something older? Maybe they're Lithuanian <laughs> demons. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Sweet Briar McCollum says, "Did you see Biden's comments re MLK versus George Floyd relevance?" No, no, please. Post millennial no. Twitter feed—it's a doozy. Do we have to look? Please look. Uh, I'll look. You, you want to read some more?
1: Uh, yeah, let me see. <clears throat> Py- Pyro Tomsky. Kareth. Kakari <laughs> Quarter Larry might still be my favorite. Smythe.
0: Smyth <laughs> <laughs> <Spice> is good.
1: <laughs> uh, sorry. I'm looking for, <laughs> I'm looking for super chess. There's a- Christopher Gorey says in a free society, we do not have a responsibility to accept anything into our body. We have a right and a duty to resist with force.
0: Mm. Yep. Yeah. If only like, we were for society.
1: Sounds like you're twisting MLK. I'm kidding.
0: You're correct. <laughs> yeah. Sweetbriar uh,
1: McCollum, $10 says, oh, that's it. Did you see oh Biden's comment?
0: He says, George, according to this headline, I haven't read the story. Uh, Biden said George Floyd's death had a greater worldwide impact than MLK's assassination.
1: What? No, he did not uh-huh. say that. that. That can't be real.
0: Yeah. Let's hear uh, Beverly. I'm going to send you a video. It's in the middle of this millennial post or post millennial article. Uh, pull up the video. And we'll look at it. What? Yeah. I know, I know we're supposed to end the show, but still. Penumbra Syndicate says Carrie and Carter are the best (laughs) podcasters.
1: Cartier-Lauren is my favorite. sounds like a handbag.
0: Cartier, yeah, Cartier-Lauren. My last name gets spelled Lauren a lot. Uh, That that misspelling often happens. Carter, though, usually people get that right. So now that I'm
1: married, I'm going to change my last name. I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to be Carrie Garcia, which sounds like an ice cream.
0: Oh, it does sound like an ice cream. Sweet. Okay, let's hear this. I, have, I haven't, I haven't heard it. I just saw the headline.
2: But even Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's. Wow.
0: I don't know. I don't know how we measure worldwide impact. Uh, and well, if that's true it's probably due to social media and what I mean, maybe I I, I'm not as offended by that as people are like, maybe, maybe it didn't. No.
1: Okay. On one, on one level. Yes. That is grossly offensive, but on another level, it's grossly offensive because he's, he's comparing, (laughs) he's comparing George Floyd to Martin Luther King and what these two men did with their lives and what happened to them. And he's comparing the way in which they died also, not just the two men, but the way in which they died, which is, I think a gross comparison, but on, but, but one way he's not wrong though, is that it probably did have a greater impact because of the way his death was used because of the way Floyd's death was used to accelerate ideology, bad ideology.
0: Right. That's why I'm saying like, I don't know. Like maybe he's right. Maybe it did have a greater impact. Um, I, I get what he's doing, the and, and the idea of putting George Floyd anywhere remotely related to Martin Luther King, uh, and I mean they're trying to paint, they've really tried to make George Floyd a saint. The guy was not, he was a horrible person. Like whether he should have been killed by the police is a separate issue, but he was not a good guy. He's not, he's not a. <laughs> I think wasn't he? Didn't he get arrested for? Punching pregnant woman in the stomach And assault like he's yes. not a good person He, he was a piece of shit yeah. It doesn't mean he should have died but he was still a piece of shit Yeah we don't have to compare Martin Luther King to the guy But okay I mean he That's, might be right It might have had a bigger impact because it was leveraged Right it was leveraged by Every major corporation Through a globally connected yes. Internet so Yeah Yeah Um. Matt Deckard says, "This one's for Cree. Where's your hat?"
1: I don't always wear a hat, you know.
0: She's not the real Cree. The real Cree wears a hat. (laughs) Um, And Beatrix Rumford gives us a sticker of a Shiba dog saying goodbye.
2: Oh,
1: goodbye!
0: All right, I think uh, I think that's it. (laughs) We got through our super chats. As a reminder, you should start on *Crime and Punishment*, guys, because book club's only a couple weeks away and it's long. It's uh, long. It's a long book. Yeah. Go. So go read it. Um, and I this don't know.
1: Friday, I'll announce live we are doing an interview with the author of *Texit*, Daniel yeah. Miller that's going to be Friday's cafe. We're going to do it live because his schedule is incredibly busy because he just announced he's running for Lieutenant governor in the state of Texas. Mm -hmm. And if you guys were part of book club, we have some of your questions to ask him. And then if you weren't a part of book club, this would be a great chance for you to learn a little more about Texit and about the book that he wrote.
0: Yes. One more super chat from all fight you naked points out that carries me Is your actual name in Japanese? Um, So, (laughs) that
1: Uh, (laughs) I I have one quick joke I'll leave with you with, Um, because if I change my name, I was thinking how funny it would be if uh, this new little town I'm running for, if I ran for like some little office, like city council or something. It's a very small town. uh, I would have billboards that say Carrie Garcia, and it's a white lady. (laughs) <laughs> Which would probably be very, very offensive to social justice. <laughs> I don't know. I just think it would be funny. Who's Cary Garcia? On a,
0: can you put on like a traditional Mexican hat in this? Yeah. In, and
1: in. Tiger has a sombrero. So we would, we would list him as El Tigre and he would be in the book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Garcia and
1: El
2: Tigre. <laughs>
0: <Anyway>. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Alright well thank you all for watching Don't forget to subscribe Go to unsayspace.com to support the show And uh, like Carrie said we have The author of Texit On, on, on Friday.
1: Friday
0: So have a good one
1: Thanks guys bye
0: Thanks for spending your time with us today if you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. So go check it out. And please consider supporting the Unsafe Space team by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server, which is open to financial supporters at any level. See you there.
2: Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. Please download this updated list of contagious individuals. Use the hashtag GetBoosted to receive two complimentary Liberty pellets. Mass formation psychosis is just a right-wing talking point. Please purge it from memory and resume your programming. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job.